Welcome to Get the Right Job. I'm Jeff Magnuson. In today's episode, we're going to talk about two specific areas. Number one, how to effectively apply for different positions. And number two, how to answer behavioral questions. And we'll get to those at the second part of the episode. But first, let's talk about applying. So just for context, right now the world and the United States are in the middle of a global pandemic and most of the work is remote. So therefore, most of the interviews and so on are being held virtually or over the phone as well. But I'm going to get into thinking about applying to different positions from a higher level. So regardless of when you are listening to this episode, these principles will apply. Now, when you hear me talking about applying, you might say, yeah, I understand. I I have Indeed, I have LinkedIn, I have the company's website, Glassdoor, ZipRecruiter, and so on. And I am aware that there are many different avenues for which you can apply to a company for any given position. But what I want to talk to you about is how when you apply online, regardless of the website through which you do it, The percentage chance of somebody seeing your resume, a human being looking at your resume with their own eyes, is very, very small. In other words, if you apply to 10 companies online and you think you're applying to 10 companies, I hate to say it, but you're really not. Because the chance of somebody reading your resume at all 10 companies is virtually zero. One or two, maybe you'll get through. But even still, 10 or 20% are terrible odds. We need to discuss this. You're putting effort into writing a cover letter, into updating your resume and making it specific for a particular role. You at least want somebody to take a few moments to read your cover letter and your resume, or at least skim it, as opposed to some computer or as opposed to nobody at all ever seeing it. So why is applying online so bad? Well, there's three reasons. Number one, it's very easy. As I'm sure you have done at least once or twice already in your careers, you've applied to a position online. And you know that for many of them, not all of them, but for many of them, it takes only a few seconds. The problem is that invites tons and tons of resumes to come flowing in to companies for people who are nowhere near qualified for the roles. But because it's so easy, a lot of people think, eh, why not? I'll just take a chance, and they submit their resume. And what winds up happening is that these resumes, depending upon what system a company is using, they either fill up somebody's email inbox, or they fill up the ATS system, which I'll get to in a moment, and there are simply too many resumes for HR or other professionals to go through. So sometimes they just choose about 20, look at them and make decisions that way. It becomes very overwhelming for them very quickly. Number two, a lot of companies use what I just mentioned, applicant tracking systems. And this is relatively new software, maybe in the last 10, 15 years or so. And it's growing, unfortunately. But what this does, it's a pretty robust system that allows HR professionals and recruiters help them organize the hiring process. And this software does many different things, but the one thing that I want to talk to you about is that it is meant to weed out applicants who don't include the right keywords on their resumes. 
the problem is, is that every company can set these keywords. They can customize them for whatever they want. And nobody really knows unless you're the one doing the customizing on the inside of the company. Therefore, it's not a perfect system. In my opinion, this is one of those examples of where technology is not aligned with what needs are required, and it's making the job search process inefficient. It's having the opposite effect. Because even great candidates for a particular position who may simply not have the, quote, right keywords in their resume, the system is going to reject them before a human being ever lays eyes on the document. And that is a major, major problem. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment because we need to discuss the workaround. And the third part is that there are simply not enough people within HR to manage all of the applicants for all of the different roles. A lot of companies, as I mentioned in a previous episode, they run lean. They hire just enough people to get the work done a lot of times. And for HR especially, hiring is one aspect of their role. There are many different facets to human resources And they simply don't have the capacity to go through all of these resumes and give them the attention that a lot of them deserve. That's what led to the software that a lot of the companies use. That's what leads to a lot of resumes simply not being looked at because they're overwhelmed. So more importantly, what's the workaround? You need to find, as the candidate who's interested in a particular role, the decision maker. And the decision maker is the hiring manager. You've heard me talk about this in previous episodes, but this person is your audience of one. This is who you want to look at your resume. You don't want to have to rely on a computer scanning your resume and then somebody in HR reading your resume to determine if the hiring manager can then look at your resume. That's too many gatekeepers. That lowers the percentage. You want to go right to the source, and there's no reason, there is no reason why you cannot do this. You have to take a proactive approach to your job search. And the reason you want to do this is to ensure at least better odds of your resume and cover letter that you are taking the time to do are seen by the right person. So how do you find this person? LinkedIn. You go to the company's website on LinkedIn and you click on the employees. It's on the banner on the right side. And depending upon the size of the company, there could be tens of thousands. At the top of the LinkedIn page, there is a button called All Filters. And when you click on that, there are many different filters that you can use first or second degree connections, locations, etc. You want to scroll down to the bottom where you can enter in the title. And depending upon your industry, they're all a little bit different. You want to type in the title, meaning manager, senior manager, director, senior director, vice president, chief marketing officer, chief finance officer, whatever it is, you want to type that into the search bar. And you can just type director or CRO or chief revenue officer. You may have to try a couple of different combinations. And that will give you a much smaller list. And it's not always guaranteed that that specific person is going to be on LinkedIn. Maybe their profile is private. Maybe they don't even have a profile. 
but you want to try to find the person who is likely the hiring manager and worst case, who might be the hiring manager because they work together. This person can probably point you in the right direction or pass your resume on to the right person. Now, if the one level up person is not on LinkedIn at all, you just can't find it, that's okay. Go another level up. For example, in the food industry, you have manager, associate managers, managers, senior managers, directors, senior directors, then vice president. If you can't find a director or a senior director and you're looking at senior manager positions, go to the vice president. That person is probably there. And what you want to do is address your cover letter to that person. And then you print out your cover letter and you sign your name. And then you print out your resume and you staple them together and you put them in a big 9 inch by 12 inch envelope, two pieces of paper that are stapled together into that envelope. In the United States, that will cost you two stamps. Hand address the envelope to the company's address, which you can find on the about section of their company page on LinkedIn, or simply by doing a Google search. And you mail it off. And you keep track of where you send these letters and you move on. And you do this, if, if you're currently working, try to send out two or three or four a week, depending upon how badly you want to get out of your current job. If you're not working, if you're home, try sending out one or two a day. By doing this, you are substantially increasing your odds of the right person seeing your resume. And if they get it, they can, whatever their internal processes are, they could pass it on to HR and you get the process started. You bypass the online systems and you bypass HR as a gatekeeper in this case. Now, we are in the middle of a pandemic during this recording. People will likely still get their mail, especially as they trickle back into work. But in this case, you can also email them directly on LinkedIn. I don't like email as much because it's too easy to ignore or delete. But again, given the circumstances that we are in as a country and as a world, you have to make adjustments. And at least emailing them on LinkedIn to discuss the role or send through your cover letter and resume, again, it's better than simply just applying online. If you want to still apply online after you do this, go right ahead because all of the work is done. So you could take a few seconds and send your resume through their portal because why not? One tip for you though, if they're requiring you to essentially retype your resume into different fields, do not do that. Do not spend the time to retype your resume. Put a note saying resume is attached and hit submit. You don't want to spend your valuable time retyping a resume through an online system that already has really small odds of them getting back to you. Don't waste your time unnecessarily. By taking this more direct, proactive approach to your job search and your resume submission, you are substantially increasing the odds of the right person seeing your resume and making a decision of whether to move forward or not. Part two, how to answer behavioral questions. So behavioral questions are a type of interview question that usually start with, tell me about a time you, or can you give me an example of a time that you dot, dot, dot. 
And this could be led an initiative, failed at something, worked as part of a team to achieve something, had a disagreement with the manager, and how did you resolve it? On my website, jeffmagnusonconsulting.com, under the Career Consulting tab, there is a list of different interview questions that you can use to prepare for. Behavioral questions are different than other interview questions. So for example, if somebody said, what's your management style? That's a very general question. Behavioral questions are asking for a specific story to answer a certain question. There is a framework out there that I did not invent, but I believe in, and it's called the STAR method. S-T-A-R. The acronym stands for Situation, Task, Action, Result. And this is used to frame your answers for only behavioral questions. You're not meant to use the words situation, task, action, result when formulating your answer. They're just there as guideposts to help you put it all together so it's a clear and compelling answer for the interviewer. So I have two examples that I can share with you, but first, let me just break down the four parts. So the situation is, what was the underlying issue? Every story at work starts with some kind of an issue or problem. State what that was very quickly. Then the task, what were you assigned to do or what did you assign yourself to do? In some cases, you may have just taken a proactive approach to do something. Then the action, what did you do? What were the steps that you took to solve the issue or whatever it was? And then the result, what was the positive result that came from this? Obviously, you really want to end on a positive note where possible. In terms of length, try to keep these answers to an average of about one minute. Don't get hung up if you're a little bit short on time or you run a little bit long. Roughly a minute. That's more than enough time to develop a clear and concise and compelling answer to the interviewer's question. If they want more information after that, they'll simply ask, and then you can go into more details if necessary. So here's an answer to tell me about a time you led an initiative. A couple of years ago, the person managing the retail project for redesigning and redoing the recipe for our spreadable cheese line left the company suddenly. And I was asked to take over the project, understand where it was, and ensure that we can hit our deadline of the end of the year, which is a critical period for retail. And the first thing I did was talk to all of the different cross-functional department heads to understand where they were because I was not part of the project at all. I rebuilt a timeline knowing what the different lead times were for ordering different uh, uh, ingredients and parts and what our designers needed in terms of time. And by having weekly meetings, I was able to successfully complete this project on time, on budget for a successful launch. That answer was one minute and one second. You can understand what the story was. I had to take over a project because somebody left and I was able to work with all the partners to get the thing launched on time and it was successful. Now, are there going to be follow-up questions? I would think so. And frankly, if I were you, I would hope so. Because if you have a good handle on that project and that's a really big win for you, you want to talk about it some more. 
But to answer their question, you want to just give them what they need to hear. You don't have to go into all the nitty-gritty details because if you run too long, it's very boring. Okay, keep in mind, the interview is a discussion, so you want it to be engaging and you want it to be interesting. So here's an answer for, tell me about a time that you took the initiative to improve a process, or tell me about a time you improved the process. Four months into my job, somebody asked me, where is our marketing budget? And the person who left the company a few weeks earlier, who I thought was managing the budget properly, had no tracker, and therefore we were essentially flying blind. And I knew as an employee that was not going to fly. So I went back through all the invoices from that year to understand what we spent as a group. And I built from scratch in Excel a brand new tracker so I knew what our budget was, what we were committed to, and what we had spent. So at any moment when somebody asked me what our budget was, I could confidently show them. Therefore, if money had to be frozen or reallocated, which happens because things change within a company, they could easily be done. And this tracker was used for the entire four and a half years that I was at that company. So that answer was also just over a minute. And that's it. That's the key to behavioral questions. You frame the question, situation, task, action, result. Just use them as guideposts, like I said, and you practice these answers at home out loud over and over again, and you will become more comfortable. And the more you practice different behavioral questions, it will force you to go back to those old work stories and bring them to the forefront of your mind so you are prepared and you are ready for these interviews and you keep the nerves at bay because you don't have to think about these stories during the interview because you know them, you've been practicing them. Keep in mind that the STAR method is, again, only used for behavioral questions. Behavioral questions are looking for one specific example from your past to answer their question. All other questions are just open-ended and you would just answer them as if you're just having a conversation, which you are. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with me online, I'm at Ask Jeff Magnuson on Facebook and Instagram and at Ask Jeff on TikTok. And finally, if you'd like to visit my website, jeffmagnusonconsulting.com. Feel free to drop me a line with any questions or comments, and I'll be happy to either answer you directly or work it into another episode. I'll see you next time.